Acts chapter 1 this morning. Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1, beginning uh, in verse 1. The former treatise have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach, until the day in which he was taken up, after that he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which, saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the love of Christ. You have poured out your love to all the world through Christ, your Son. Dear God, that whosoever will may come. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, our Lord Jesus Christ, shall be saved, turning in their hearts from their sin to faith and, and seeking forgiveness in Christ and, and faith. And Father, that belief in that death, burial, and resurrection, all that you have accomplished through Jesus Christ, your Son, that the world could have their sins forgiven simply by believing, turning in our hearts from our sin and trusting in what you've done in Christ alone. Thank you, dear God. Uh, Lord, I ask for the filling of your Holy Spirit to minister your word today. I pray you'd fill my dear wife with your spirit, relaying the message and sign. Fill with thy spirit those who may be watching the children as well. Thank you for the, 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 the Sunday school hour earlier with, for the adults and children and for the word that's gone forth, dear God. and Help us to... Uh, hide that in our hearts that we might not sin against thee or that we might walk with you uh, Lord I pray uh, for this church I pray for us each one dear God that we would trust in you that we would be by your power and by your grace the lights that you want us to be in this world 
Father, we know that uh, the world needs you. You have done what you've done because we need it and because you love us. And so, Father, I pray you'd give us wisdom in sharing this message in these days and glorifying your name. And, Father, help us to be careful to thank you and praise you. We do ask it in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Well, the next uh, several weeks, I'm going to be preaching a message, several messages from the book of Acts, this first chapter, on power for the church, power for the church. And we need to have that power uh, to continue to be witnesses. Uh, These times may be uh, gendering hope. (laughs) or uh, actually uh, spawning the desire for hope in some hearts around us. And Jesus Christ is the hope of the world, amen? And uh, there's nothing like having your sins forgiven and knowing that you're on your way to heaven. Uh, That you will die one day, except Jesus come back and interrupt that. And uh, when we do die... Uh, if, if that be our lot, you will spend eternity either in heaven or in hell. And uh, what we do with Christ is what determines where we'll be. Uh, God did not make hell for people. The Bible says hell was created for the devil and his angels. Uh, he didn't uh, uh, design for anyone to have to be there. And so his son has died for all and risen again. Trust him as your savior. Trust only him turning in your heart from your sin and he'll forgive you and save you and we need power as a church into continuing to to proclaim this message so there'll be a series of four messages that we'll look that we'll look at the first one today part one is the confirmation of power for the church the confirmation of power uh, for the church uh uh And so uh, power is available for the church because, number one, we have an ever-living Savior. Number one, we have an ever-living Savior. Did somebody bring this water up here for me? Thank you. I appreciate that. You have an ever-living Savior. Praise God. Verse 3 says, To whom he showed himself alive after his passion, that's his suffering, He showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen to them forty days, speaking of the things which pertain to the kingdom of God. Uh, He is alive uh, forevermore. He said, Behold, I'm alive forevermore. I have the keys of death and of hell. And uh, and so we serve and we love an ever-living Savior. Uh, Faith in the resurrection of Jesus Christ is absolutely necessary for uh, salvation. And by the way, faith in that resurrection really is where our focus is to be. Uh, The resurrection has been uh, taught, it seems, from the beginning of time. If we look back in Job 19 and verse 26, and just turn there for a moment. Job... 
19, 26, Job speaking. Oh, verse, starting in verse 25, Job says, For I know that my Redeemer liveth. <laughs> Did you know Jesus was alive back in Job's time? <laughs> Amen. For I know that my Redeemer liveth, and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. And though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God. Whom I shall see for myself with mine eyes, which mine eyes shall behold, and not another, though my reins be consumed within me. Job believed in the resurrection of the dead. And somehow that very body he lived in was going to be brought back up. Yes, made an immortal body. But he said, it will be my eyes that see him and not another. And that's our great hope is that resurrection. I think of those three Hebrew children, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. If God wants to, our God's able to deliver us from that fiery furnace. But what? But He will deliver us from thee, O King. You see, they weren't claiming a promise that God would save their physical lives. They were looking to what? The resurrection, just like Job. They knew that if God wants to pull us out of that fire, by the way, which He did, Amen. He can do that. But if not, uh, we'll see you again, King. We'll see you on down the road, new bodies. And you'll regret doing this. And we'll be, forever be with our Lord. Uh, we look toward that resurrection. And that is our hope. That, that death burial resurrection of Christ. That gospel message. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15.3 uh, and 4. I delivered unto you. First of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. And then was seen of many witnesses as we, as we have uh, read. Acts, uh, 1 Corinthians goes on to say, He was seen of Peter and of all the twelve disciples. He was seen of five hundred witnesses at once, then of James and Paul, seen by many. He died. His death. He died according to the scriptures. Isaiah 53, 8. He was taken from prison and from judgment. There was no fair judgment that took place during that mock trial, folks. <laughs> that was taken from him. He was taken from prison and from judgment. Who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off. By the way, that means killed. Out of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. He died. He didn't swoon. He didn't faint. He didn't go into a coma. He died on that tree. He died on that tree. Acts chapter 8 verse 33. Philip is guiding a man through the Bible about this death about Jesus Christ and says who shall declare his generation for his life is taken from the earth pretty clear folks <laughs> he died some things about this powerful death that our Lord accomplished before his resurrection some things that we see about that what do we see his death 
was a sacrificial death. That is, it was a willing offering unto God. Because remember, he, died. he didn't just die, he died according to the scriptures. Amen. In every aspect, in every detail of the word of God. In John 10, 18, he talked about his life. In John 10, 18, he says, about, speaking about his life, No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. You see, the Son of God is part of the Holy Trinity. There's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And before the world was even created, God knowing all things, He developed a plan for salvation, for He knew men would sin. And God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, and God the Son got together and they worked it out and, and all were 100, their will was in 100% agreement for they are one. God decided, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit decided that Jesus Christ, the Son, would be the Savior of the world. He's the one who would die for our sins and rise again. And God the Father decided, and by the way, God the Son, I'll give you that choice while you're on the earth. That'll be up to you whether you go through with that or not. Whether you lay down your life or not, that'll be up to you all the way to the end. God the Father decided that. And that was decided within the Trinity and agreed upon. And so Jesus said, I have power to lay it down. I have power to take it again. And I've received this of my Father. The Trinity is in agreement with this. What an amazing truth, this sacrificial death, a willingly offered for you and I. Hebrews 9.14 says that Christ, who through the eternal Spirit, who's that? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. <laughs> he offered through, through the eternal Spirit. He offered Himself uh, for us. He offered Himself without spot to God, the Bible says. It was a sacrificial death. In Hebrews 10.10, we read, We are sanctified, what? Through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ, once for all. All those Old Testament offerings, remember all those lambs that were slain? They could never take away sin. But Jesus offered Himself, one sacrifice for sins forever. What, uh, Hebrews 10.12 By one offering, Hebrews 10.14 He hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. God says to all sinners, if you will look to my son and what he did for your sins, that he died for you, that he rose again, he shed his precious blood as the payment for our sins. And you in repentance will turn in your heart uh, from your sins, asking forgiveness, placing your faith and trust in my son, calling upon his name, God says, I will look at you as complete. You'll be perfected forever in God's eyes. He'll consider you righteous for his son's sake, not because of anything you've done or I've done. What a mighty God we serve. Angels bow before him. Heaven and earth adore him. What a mighty God we serve. Amen.
His death was sacrificial. What else do you see about his death? His death was a substitutional death. His death was a substitutional death. Well, why did he offer that? The Bible teaches the life of the flesh is in the blood. And it is the blood that makes an atonement for sin. In God's economy, the only payment really for sin was that perfect blood of Christ. It's impossible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sin, the book of Hebrews tells us. There's only one price. It's the blood of sin. You say, well, that's kind of sad that it had to be done, preacher. Where'd that sin come from? It came from you and me. You see, he... If, if, I, if, he, if, he want, if I was going to be into heaven, then he had to take my place. Because I deserve to die. And by the way, so did you. And so did everyone watching this, this service online this morning. What do we deserve? The wages of sin is death. Romans 6.23 And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Revelation 20 verses 14 and 15. That's what we deserve. God is a holy God, but he is also a just God. Sin must be atoned. It must be paid for. And the only payment is that his son would take my place, would take your place. It was a substitutional death. Isaiah 53.5, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for what? Our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him what? The iniquity of us all. It was substitutional. If you're watching, you're here this morning. Jesus died for your sins and to pay for them. He died because of you and because of me. And if you will believe that and receive that, by the way, he didn't have to. Remember what he said? No man taketh my life from me, what? I lay it down willingly. You say, well, what would have happened if Jesus decided not to die for us? None of us would be in heaven. Well, wouldn't heaven still be a holy place? Yes, it would. The only difference is God's heart would be broken. Because he wants you and I there. His heart would be broken should we all reject Christ and go our own way. His death was substitutional. He died in our place. 1 Peter 2.24 Who his own self, here it is, bear our sins in his own body on the tree. That's an amazing thought, isn't it? Who's Isaiah speaking for there? The whole world. He bear our sins in his by his own body, do we get the picture? 
that he did this thing of himself in his own body on the tree. Who sins? Ours. Well, from Adam and Eve to, to, to how far, preacher? To the end of time. Every human being that will ever live. That's who sins he bear in his body. Well, what sins? What about our future sins? Hey, the sins of the whole world for all time. God knew every sin that would be committed. At any time, he could have said, well, in the year, if the, if the world lasts this long, in the year 3030, this sin's going to be committed, and I don't want my son to die for that one, so I won't put that one on, in his body. He didn't do that. <laughs> he knew every sin that would ever be committed for all time, and Jesus Christ paid the price for every sin. By the way, when, when he died, all of your sins were future, weren't they? And also were mine. <laughs> I wasn't around then. But yet somehow my sins were in his body on that tree. It was a substitutional death. Paul said, For Christ hath once suffered for sins. Here it is. The just for the unjust. For the unjust. What? That he might bring us to God. I'm thankful for the sacrificial and substitutional death of Christ, but because of I trusted in Him, He's going to bring me to God. When I die, I'll go to heaven on the coattails of Jesus Christ's grace and mercy and righteousness. Because over 30 years ago, now I trusted Him to be my Lord and Savior and to forgive me of my sins. His death, sacrificial and substitutional. Paul said I'm crucified with Christ nevertheless I live yet not I but Christ liveth in me and the life which I now live in the flesh I live by the faith of the son of God here it is who loved me and gave himself for me see that's the difference between salvation and being lost Salvation's for all, but you've got to personalize it. Paul didn't say who loved all and gave himself for all. Paul said who loved me and gave himself for me. And he took that and claimed that for his own. Anyone can do that by faith. Trusting in him. What else about this miraculous death of Christ? It was a sacerdotal death. Yes, that's a big strange word. So you study in theology, it just has the idea of relating to, to priesthood, to, to, to a priesthood. Ten times in the book of Hebrews, we're told that Jesus Christ became our high priest. You see, a sacrifice was needed, and he offered it willingly. We were worthy of punishment, and he took ours in the body of that sacrifice and the atonement has to be made sinners have to be made with the right God a priest is an intermediary as one mediator between God and men the man Christ Jesus <laughs> and because of what he did he became your high priest and my high priest if you're born again <laughs> and he what ever lives to make intercession for us
in that high priestly office, uh, seated at the right hand uh, of the Father. <clears throat> what a wonderful truth. He became a man that behooved him, Hebrews 2.17, to be, to be made like unto his brethren. Christ became a man, Philippians chapter 2, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest. He experienced our sorrows in a human body. He experienced the temptations that come our way, yet he did it without sin. And he did that for you and I. And so, when he returned to the right hand of the Father, when he went and was seated at the right hand of the Father, it was not the blood of bulls and goats that fell, fell at that cross. It was the blood of the Holy Son of God. And only that blood, Peter tells us, not with the blood, not with the, you weren't ready with collectible things as silver and gold. And he goes on to say, but with the precious blood of Christ as of lamb without spot, without blemish, without blemish, without spot. Perfect blood of Christ, perfect blood of Christ. The only price to pay for our sins. <clears throat> And so we have a high priest which cannot be touched with the, which we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was at all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. He knows what we're going through. And he has provided for us. I think about this message and about what God wants us to do as believers. And we have to realize what? What do I need yet from God to do what you've called me to do? Here's the answer. Nothing. If you're born again, God's given you it all. When you trust Christ as your Savior, you have the forgiveness of sins. You have a home in heaven. You have His Holy Spirit living in your heart. You have the Word of God right here. That's all we need. That's all we need to do all God's called us to do. It was a sacerdotal death, a priestly death in our behalf. We think about this resurrection. It was a bodily resurrection. Well, we believe that uh, uh, it was ta talked about Jesus rising again. You know, when, when he came, we, uh, it was a spiritual thing. You know, uh, uh, that second coming is when the Holy Spirit fell down at the book of Acts and all this. No, that's, that's not the second coming. Uh, nor is uh, uh, some spiritual resurrection without a body the resurrection of Christ. That's not the resurrection of Christ. He rose according to the scriptures. It was a bodily resurrection. Psalm 16.10 David writes, Thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. The Son of God, when He does put on a body and come down to this earth to do what you've called Him to do, His body will not see corruption. It will not decay. And so He rose again after three days. His body saw no decay. Peter reminded his listeners of that in his sermon in the book of Acts. That resurrection. <clears throat> Paul, preaching also, said, He whom God raised again saw no corruption, Acts 13, 37. But 
Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. Forgiveness of sins comes only through Jesus Christ. It comes only through faith alone in Jesus Christ. You see, it's one thing to say you're going to rise from the dead. It's quite another thing to do it. Amen. (laughs) That should settle the issue for us regarding who we're going to believe. Christ certainly rose from the dead. He predicted his resurrection all four Gospels. The Old Testament we just read, uh, he saw no corruption, the Holy One saw no corruption. Neither will I suffer that holy one to see corruption. The tomb was empty. The grave clothes were vacant. If those who opposed Christ at the time wanted to stop the movement, all they had to do was present a body. (laughs) They had none because it was gone. He raised bodily resurrection. Many people saw the resurrected Christ. We saw that. They touched him. They talked. They talked. They ate with him. The lives of the disciples were revolutionized. Remember what they were doing? Uh, while Christ was in the grave, in the tomb, hiding out in that locked upper room for fear. And what are they doing at Pentecost just a few weeks later? They're boldly preaching the word of God at risk of their own lives. What could transform a group of cowards into a group of courageous soldiers like that? They saw the resurrected Christ with their own eyes. And they spent all that that time with him while he was on the earth. Forty days he spent here before he went back to heaven. What a blessing. What a, what a powerful resurrection. <clears throat> His resurrection confirms that he has all power. All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Matthew 28, 18. The resurrected Christ told us. All power. All power. 1 Corinthians 15, 12. Paul said, if Christ be not risen... Then is our preaching vain and your faith is also vain. You know, I've heard people say and preachers say, and preachers that I actually like, um, well, you know, even if there wasn't any heaven, I'd still want to live the Christian life. I guess maybe I'm not that spiritual yet. <laughs> The Bible says the resurrection is our hope. It doesn't even make sense. What? To go through suffering if, if, for suffering's sake. Matter of fact, our Bible tells us in Hebrews that he that cometh to God, what? Must believe that he is and that he is a what? Rewarder of them that diligently seek him. 
Sorry, I, I don't think I would fare too well if I knew that all I was going to for my sufferings, all I was going to get was get put in the ground and rot away like an animal. I wouldn't fare too well myself. <laughs> no, my hope's beyond the grave, amen. I'm going to walk with him. I'm going to talk with him. I'm, he's going to let me feel that print in his hand. I'm going to get to ask him about his life. So are you if you're born again. It's another world, folks. The resurrection is what we look for, that powerful resurrection. Paul wrote in Philippians 3.10, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death. You see, we suffer because that's part of our fellowship with him. When you're, when you're on the same football team, you, you go through the practices and you get the same aches and pains. You go through suffering. Why? So you can play together and win. And you have that camaraderie, right? Well, see, when we suffer for Christ and we see him, there's an extra communion there, not only there, but also here, as he's with us and in us, that we are suffering like sufferings that he did. There's a camaraderie that's built there. Just like, you know, fellow soldiers that have gone through the war together. There's a camaraderie, there's, there's a bond that's tighter that those who haven't gone through that experience don't, don't experience. A closeness that, frankly, uh, it seems they can't experience. That's why Paul told Timothy to be careful and to be a partaker of the sufferings of Christ. Don't try to get away from him, Timothy. Because there's fellowship there. There's blessings there. There's a oneness with Christ. There's an abiding in that vine that we'll, that we'll miss if we don't also accept the sufferings for him that he brings our way. And what did Paul say? And who suffered more than him? Aside from Christ. He says, I think it's not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. That fellowship that God will bring forth all those uh, uh, th those sufferings <clears throat> secondly we have his never leaving spirit we have an ever living savior we have his never leaving we have his never leaving spirit Acts 1.4 Acts 1.5 For John truly baptized with water but ye shall be baptized what? With the Holy Ghost not many days hence. <laughs> I'm sending my spirit to earth. You see they may have thought with Jesus going away they were not going to have that fellowship they had with him. And you know what Jesus told them? Oh no. <laughs> it'll continue and by the way it'll be even better. It'll be even better. John uh, 16, 6 and following. Because I have said these things unto you, that is, he had said he's going to suffer and go away. 
Sorrow hath filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient, that means better, for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. I love that. By the way, no resurrection, no spirit. He had to go back. He said, if I depart, I will send him unto you. If he stayed in the grave, folks, there's no Holy Spirit on this earth. He didn't stay in the grave, did he? He said, if I depart, I'll send him unto you. If he, didn't go, if he didn't rise again and go back to heaven, the Holy Spirit's not living in you. <laughs> but he is, if you trust Christ as your Savior. I'll send him unto you. And he did. John 15, 26, When the Comforter has come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. He shall testify of me. See, Jesus had come in the Father's name that he might testify the Father. John 5, 43. I am come in my Father's name. What did he say to Thomas? He that hath seen me hath what? Seen the Father. He came to reveal the Father. The Holy Spirit has come to reveal the Son. He testifies of the Son, exalts the Son. And what a message we have, what a, what a Savior we have to preach and exalt, amen? <laughs> and to share with the world that blessed promise. Never leaving spirit, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. The promise there in Hebrews 13.5. In Romans 8, verses 9 and 10, talks about the Spirit. You'll find in Romans 8, verses 9 and 10, Spirit, Spirit of God, Spirit of Christ, Christ in you. All talking about the Spirit that dwells in you. It's all the same thing. It's that oneness of God. When do we receive that Spirit? Ephesians 1.13 God convicts you of your sin. You hear the gospel that his son died for you and rise again, rose again. You hear the, the, the blessed promise, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, trust in him alone. And Ephesians 1.13 picks it up from there, in whom, in whom ye also trusted. After ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation... In whom also after that ye believe, that's what saving faith is, it's trusting, believing. After that ye believed, ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Sealed with that, that, that blessed Spirit. Thank God for that. We have the never, never leaving Spirit. William Barker wrote, he says, if the last mighty act of God had been the resurrection and ascension, 
today there would be no church. If the pattern outlined in the first chapter of Acts had continued, the apostles and others would never have left Jerusalem to witness. They had formed a religious club, perhaps a Jesus Memorial Society. Like other such groups, it probably have they probably had meetings and would have had dues and minutes. The usual club paraphernalia. In spite of valiant endeavors by loyal adherents to keep the organization going, the band of believers in the risen Jesus Christ would eventually have dwindled away, and in time the memory of, of Jesus would have become an interesting footnote in the history books uh, of the Middle East. And that's probably exactly what would have happened. But folks, God sent his spirit. And it's his spirit that empowers us to be the witnesses of, of, of this Christ of God. And by the way, to be faithful witnesses, amen. They could have never done it without that Holy Spirit. They'd have stayed hidden in that house. And it would just fade it away, just like he just said. But Jesus said it's not going to be. Because I have a better promise for you. He talked about that Holy Spirit while he was with him. He said, for now he dwelleth with you. That was him. But then he said, and shall be in you. I'm going to put him in you, and I'm going to get my work done through you. You can't do without him, and I can't do without him. But with him we can, amen. And with him they did, amen. And with him we can follow in that. We have that spirit. Thank God for that. Thirdly and finally. Thirdly and finally, we have his everlasting scripture. Amen. Acts 1.4, being assembled together with them, he commanded them, Christ did, that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait, here, here it is, for what? The promise of the Father. I like that. Where did he get that promise at? <laughs> right straight out of the Bible, Amen. Right straight out of the Bible. Joel 2.28 It shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. God sent his Holy Spirit. Just as Jesus said, when I get to the right hand of the Father, I'm going to send the Spirit unto you. And here he is, folks. He's in you and I. And he is what? The teacher of the word. Thus, we are to take with us what? The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Ephesians chapter 6, right? The everlasting scriptures, we have them. We have the ever-living Son. <clears throat> we have the never-leaving Spirit. We have the everlasting scripture. Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? Jeremiah 32, 7. <clears throat> I like Psalm 105, 8. He hath remembered his covenant forever, the word which he commanded to a thousand generations. Roughly speaking, that's about, that's about uh, 20,000 years. We're in good shape, folks. <laughs> that power's there. 
is to be fulfilled. I like looking at these verses side by side here. Wait for the promise of the Father in Joel 2.28. 2, 2, it shall come to pass. We can put that on all God's promises. Amen. <laughs> we meet whatever requirements are for that promise. For salvation it's faith alone in Christ. That's it. Whatever promise it may be. We do what God tells us for that promise. Guess what? It's coming to pass. <laughs> there are many promises that are coming to pass. That God didn't put any requirements out for. They're just going to happen. Amen. Uh, the way this world's going, the course of history, they're going to happen. All that God has said is ever, His everlasting scripture. The church grows numerically by the word of God. Romans 1.16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is what? The power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. It's the power of God. Anyone who believes the gospel, they'll get saved. Turn from their sin. Repent. Believe in Christ, they'll get saved. <clears throat> it's how the church grows numerically. Every time someone receives Christ. This word of God, believing it. It's also how the church grows what? Spiritually. The apostle Paul, when he would see the elders at Ephesus no more. He said in Acts 20, 32, And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to what? the word of his grace which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified this word right here is our bread amen our daily bread every day by the way if you if you're only getting the word of god on sunday morning sunday night wednesday night you're not getting enough amen you're starving <laughs> we need it every day every day the word of god Hebrews 4.12, the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. That's a powerful word, folks. That's a powerful word. Proverbs 27.17, iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. Did you notice? It's not the word that needs to be sharpened. It's us. You see, the sword of God never needs to be sharpened. It is always piercing. We're the ones that need to be sharpened. We can get dull. We get so used to hearing it that we forget it's the word of God. We get so used to hearing it that we forget it can change our lives. And that we're supposed to live it, amen. We get so used to hearing it, it just comes like, you know, some other uh, pithy saying or some other form of wisdom that someone else might have spoken. Eh, we're not so excited about it being the word of God. We get so used to hearing it. The writer of Hebrews experienced that from some of his readers. He wrote in the letter, he was going to teach them some things about Melchizedek. But they got so used to hearing all those things, they weren't ready for more teaching. And he said, 
he, he taught it more, but he says, we had many, he says, of whom we had many things to say and hard to be uttered, seeing ye are, ye are what? Dull of hearing. We're the ones that get dull. <laughs> We're the ones that get dull. If we don't separate ourselves unto God from the world, we become corroded with the corruptions of this world and we don't shine for God. Uh, we don't have uh, his word in our heart to share with others. How sad that, that is, that, that we can get that way as, as, as believers. Time capsules became popular in the 20th century. Perhaps because the world never seen such dangerous and, and vulnerable times before. One of the first and most famous was created uh, for the 1939 New York World's Fair. It was buried 50 feet below Flushing Meadows Park. That's where the fair was held. And is scheduled to be opened in the year 6939. 5,000 years from the time the capsule was sealed. It contained, among other things, a fountain pen, an alphabet block set, various types of fabrics, metals, and plastics, copies of Life magazine, a pack of Camel cigarettes. I don't know what this is. Some of you, maybe some of you can help me with it. A 15-minute, and all this is this is all capitals, RKO Path, P-A-T-H-E, RKO Path Pictures Newsreel. Maybe that's a show or some some kind of a show. I, I don't know what, but a newsreel. A Cupid doll. One dollar and change. Various seeds, wheat, corn, cotton, sealed in glass tubes. And on microfilm, literature, art, a dictionary, and a Sears Roebuck catalog. Huh. Sealed to chronicle the 20th century American life to future generations. You could pick up, open that capsule up, look at all that stuff and say, wow. Set it on the shelf and never need it again. Unless there's a Bible in there, amen. Because <laughs> if there's a Bible in there, you can take that same book out of there in 6939. <laughs> And heed the word. And your soul would be saved. Your life would be changed. And you'd live a life for the glory. You could live a life for the glory of God. And die and go to heaven. To be with God forever. <laughs> because the same word. Never loses its power. Never loses its power. Heaven and earth shall pass away. But my words. Shall not pass away. And thank God church. We have the power.
to be the witnesses God's called us to be. We need to be praying for opportunities for such. And, uh, and witnessing when they come. Amen. And going forward. We may find some ears that are a little bit more eager to hear with all the troubles around us. We may find some eyes that are a little bit more eager to see the message by way of sign with all the troubles around us today. We need to be careful and prayerful, praying that those do appear and praying that when they do appear, we're not dull. We have the sword and we're ready to let the Spirit use it through us so he can point a person to Christ, so he can help a believer to grow, so he through us can minister to another in some way for the, for the glory of God, for that soul. And I'm thankful that we have these things always. And that God's Spirit so often refreshes us and brings us back to them so that we can be faithful in serving Him until He comes. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank You for Your Word today. I thank You for our power for the church that You have given us through Christ, through the Word of God, through Your Spirit. And Lord, the power is an unchangeable power. God, our relationship to you may change. Your love for us and the things you have provided for us do not. Father, if we will bask in thee, if we will make knowing thee the desire of our life, we'll know that power. And we'll be able to see the frailty and the temporal situation of this world upon which we walk and stand this earth. We'll be able to see the need of those that are around us. We'll be able to give them words and speak of a Savior who can give them hope for life eternal, an ever-living Savior. We can tell them about your never-leaving spirit you'll put in their hearts. And we know all of that, uh, dear God, uh, because we have your everlasting word. And it never changes. We learn all about all that you have for us through thy blessed word. And Father, we thank you and we praise you for it. Help us as believers now. Refresh our hearts. Help us to draw closer to you. And Father, increase our love for others and help us to more zealously and with a greater hunger to look forward and be ready for opportunities that would come our way to share your word with another, be it for salvation, be it for hope, for Christian growth, for comfort, whatever it might be. God, help us to be vessels ready at hand for you to use. Help us to be careful to thank you and praise you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.